Welcome to BSD Talk number 174. It's Sunday, May 31st, 2009. Before the interview I'm going to post here, which is uh, the second one that I did at BSD Can 2009, I did want to talk about one of those things, you know, where you're just wandering through life and certain things seem to strike your eye occasionally. And I don't know, over the past month or so, I just started noticing where I see BSD. And I, I thought maybe it might be interesting to, to put this out there and also see from, from you folks where you happen to see BSD in unusual places. Now, when I say BSD, I don't necessarily mean the BSD kernel and user land and everything else, but I guess part of the legacy that BSD has has provided. Um, for example, uh, I was working on a Novell server, an old Novell server that had decided to uh, die, at least a hard disk die, and all kinds of other misery. And as I, and as I'm watching the NetWare loadable modules fly by on the screen when we're finally bringing it back to life, I notice that one of those loadable modules is called BSD Sock, which is uh, obviously for the BSD sockets, which is part of TCP/IP networking. So you know it's nice to see that there's some reference to BSD there. Uh, also, I happen to be upgrading an Ubuntu or Ubuntu or however you want to say it Linux box and notice that one of the packages that was getting upgraded was something called Cups BSD. This is for backwards compatibility for the traditional BSD print subsystem, but, but once again, uh, that subsystem is so common that it's important to have some compatibility with it. So uh, there's some BSD stuff for our printing. I also was at a conference, uh, I think I've mentioned it in earlier podcasts, that Maine has a one-to-one laptop program <clears throat> where they try and provide laptops for all 7th and 8th graders, and they're also expanding it now to most of the high schoolers here in the state of Maine, and happened to be at a conference where they were showing people about various things, and at one of the particular talks they were talking about security, and the guy giving that talk did bring up one of the man pages, and it was really nice to see right there at the top of the man page that it was labeled the BSD general command. So uh, those are some places where you know, we see BSD right in front of us. Uh, you know, once again, not necessarily the BSD operating system, but some of the stuff that it's left us. Uh, and I hope that it continues to uh, be out there for us. There's obviously the well-known things like OpenSSH and a variety of other stuff. But I just thought it was it was interesting. These things, for some reason, were, were uh, popping up here or there, and I was just noticing them. And maybe I just hadn't noticed it as much before. So if you happen to see it anywhere, send me an email and let me know where you're seeing BSD in the world around you. All right, so now on to the interview that I recorded. This obviously a couple of weeks have gone by, but I wanted to get this out to you. So enjoy. All right, now uh, once again, we're, we're here at BSD Can, and I'm sitting here with Chris Moore, and he is working with PCBSD. You just finished giving your talk about PCBSD on the desktop. How did that go? That actually went pretty good. Had a lot of interesting questions about uh, implementation things and making it a little more user-friendly, which is good, and a lot of excitement looking forward to uh, 8.0 with all the new features that's coming down from FreeBSD that we could take advantage of as well. Were you able to demonstrate or talk about any of the new features that are in the current, what is it, 7.1? Yeah, 7.1, we did show off some of that, how our local bases are separated out. 
now so that you can run a clean uh, user local tree, install FreeBSD ports right alongside your desktop and your PBIs, nothing interacts or conflicts with one another, and the best part is we don't blow it away when uh, we do an upgrade. And I saw they were demonstrating out here in the hallway uh, a utility for the jails. Is that in the current one, or is that something that's in testing? No, it's actually available for all previous uh, PCBSD 7.0s. It's not part of the base system. It's a PBI you download, just a standalone uh, server tool we wrote. Since jails is already in the base system, it just provides the front end and the, the GUI for controlling the jails and managing them in the back end of your system itself. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It looked like you, know, you run this tool, it was called Warden. It's called the warden. Yep. You just right-click, you say new jail, ask you for an IP address, a password, whether you want to install the ports tree, mm-hmm. just click, 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 and go. And the other thing that looked really interesting was that there were some templates. I forget what you called them, W... Uh, inmates. Or inmates. Yes. Uh, kind of cute, you know, the warden, yeah. and then the inmates you install into the jail. So the idea is you build your warden jail, set up the IP, and you go download an inmate of Joomla, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, the inmate will contain Joomla, Apache, MySQL, PHP, and some configuration script so you literally just click install it sets itself up for your IP address of your jail asks you what you would like to use for the password for uh, MySQL and then just brings up Joomla super super easy for a novice uh, administrator who's maybe a Joomla developer wants to get on a BSD system and run it but doesn't necessarily know how to use jails or Apache you know it really looked point and click simple and does it use an intermediate sort of meta configuration database or does it directly edit the config files the, the GUI interface does not. There's actually three interfaces for it. You have your shell-based interface, the GUI, and then a dialogue-based interface, so you can do stuff remotely as well. It just uses uh, plug-in scripts in the back end, which just manipulate the jail system. I mean, it's just calling the jail command, setting up files, shuffling things here and there, and, and uh, the GUI calls those same scripts. So they all use the same back end, so make one change in one, and everything's affected. That's great. Uh, another feature that it has you, you probably didn't get to see was uh, the importing and exporting of jails. That's mm. that's the big one. What you can do is say you have some jail set up all configured the way you like it. You can actually stop it, export it all to a big uh, compressed file, take it to a new system, import it even with a new IP address, and boot it right back up. Wow. So almost like the kind of the virtual machine appliance marketplaces that they have now, in theory, similar to PBI downloads now, yeah. you would have uh, inmate Yeah, warden or, or package jail files that you can move around between system and system. So you could get a real finely tuned Joomla or some kind of server that needs to be in a jail and just move it around from box to box and let people run it and customize it any way they want. And I guess the, the size of those files is going to be considerably smaller than a virtualized machine oh, yeah. that is the whole OS. And yeah, yeah. It's a lot smaller. Obviously, you're dealing with a jail framework, so the size is really going to be the packages you have installed. That's and wonderful. I believe, I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's LZMA compressed as well, so it's even tinier than usual. That's neat, that's neat. Yeah, you're going to have sysadmins picketing outside your office <laughs> if you make, a, make their job replaced by a tool. <laughs> we just want to make it easier so that everyone can use it and to save people time, because I hate wasting time doing things repeatedly that should be done through a GUI or through another interface. And a, another thing that uh, came up on the homepage, and I guess... I saw out here, not the implementation, but the web page was up, was a thin client implementation that you've been working on. What's that about? Well, we've had a lot of requests ever since we released PCBSD is to have some kind of thin client server implementation. You know, the traditional thin client, you have your server, you have diskless clients that can pixie boot up and into the desktop. Um, similar, maybe the Linux terminal terminal or server project would be a good example. So uh, about a year ago, I started on this, and again, it's a standalone PBI. It's not something you have to have in your base system. You just download it and install it. 
And what it does is it sets up all your Pixie configuration, all your NFS configuration, sets up the entire client um, interface, and then your clients just immediately can boot up and get brought to a KDM screen. Now, what's, what's pretty cool we've done with the latest version of it is we've added an option to uh, configure Xorg per client and save that configuration onto the server. So in th- usually you don't have all the same monitors, same systems. There's a little variety. And in theory now, you could boot up say, okay, I want to use this new Xorg configuration for a dual-head client. That's possible. You could set up dual-head, say, okay, I like it, save it to the server, and the next time you reboot that client, it checks by MAC address. That's how it's sorted. Okay, client MAC has booted up. It has a saved Xorg config. Here you go. Bring up the desktop. Does it support local device mapping? So if you put a thumb drive... Not yet. Not yet. Um, we're not quite... We're in beta still. We're hoping to go to version 1.0 a little later in the year. But uh, that would be one thing that would be nice to add. Another thing we don't have yet that we want to is uh, streaming sound support. We haven't really figured out which backend we're going to implement to do that. But uh, it would be an interesting project. I look forward to getting it added, but I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of work. That's, that's neat. And it, you know, my assumption is it's pretty easy to test because it's a PBI that you can plunk in and then oh, yeah. pull out. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's almost too simple to install. There's literally no config you have to do except set a password. Um, or no, excuse me, you don't even have to set the password. It just defaults and says, please change it when you're done. But uh, it just asks you which NIC you want to set up uh, DHCPD on. So you say, okay, this NIC is my private LAN. Tell it okay, and it goes and sets everything up for you. It even sets up the IPs. Of course, you can go back in and modify all those later. We just default to what we consider a workable situation, and then you can adjust it to your liking any way you see fit. Wow. And are there, are there any other new projects or different directions that you're going in that you'd want to talk about? Well, we're planning on doing one last release of PCBSD 7 series. It'll be 7.2 in a couple months. Not a huge, huge release as far as features go. It'll be more just to round out the 7 series on FreeBSD 7, have the latest ports and packages, and bug fixes. After that, though, we're looking towards 8, and that's where all the exciting stuff's going to be taking place. FreeBSD 8 brings a lot of great stuff into the base system, uh, better Linux emulation, uh, 2.6 kernel support, um, Wi-Fi, you name it. There's a lot of new goodies in 8, and we're really looking forward to doing that. Um, we're going to be redoing our com- uh, system installer starting in 8, so we're hoping to add some new features to that, possibly scriptable in the back end with uh, Lua or some other functionality, which should be interesting. And another feature that came up during the uh, dev summit here was adding an option to install FreeBSD from the PCBSD install CD. So say you have somebody who wants to install ZFS as their root partition, can't really do that through sysinstall. You have to do that post-installation. Well, ours, you can bring up the GUI, say ZFS, click install FreeBSD, and you end up with vanilla FreeBSD on ZFS. Hmm. You know, it might be a helpful option for administrators. Yeah, I guess FreeBSD has been becoming more regular in, in when they update every six months or so. Mm-hmm. How's it been for you trying to stay in lockstep with their release schedule? It's a challenge sometimes. They have a lot bigger team than we do, so it's uh, interesting to try and stay, stay up to date with them. But we're just learning. We just do what we can and come up with the best thing possible. We're going to try and stay as close as possible to their releases, so when their 8.0 comes out, we should have something out within two, three months. Um, we've just actually moved to a new build farm, so we're hoping to start offering snapshots of our development releases on a weekly basis to allow a lot of early testing to take place before we actually get close to a beta cycle. Traditionally, it's been pretty closed off simply because the servers have been running in a little server room I built, and I don't have a lot of bandwidth to upload uh, 10 gigs of ISOs every week. So uh, now that we're in an actual server farm with lots of speed, we're going to start making these available to the general community for uh, better testing. 
I guess it's been a couple months, probably longer than a couple months, since you, you redid your PBI build mm-hmm. environment. How's mm-hmm. that been going? A lot of new packages coming? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was last November. We have completely changed our PBI system. I, I'm calling it, for lack of a better term, Schema 2.0. It's, it's a complete rethinking of how PBIs work. Still the same GUI front end, so nothing is changing really on the end user side. But the back end is totally different. We have, first of all, built the server, which auto-builds the PBIs from ports. So if a port gets updated, say Firefox, new security update, we'll trigger an update on a PBI of that and usually have it within 24 hours, and then we upload it to our website. The other big thing that uh, makes this all work, though, is that we've switched to a local base solution. So, for example, PBI of Firefox is no longer compiled into user local. It's compiled into a local base of slash program slash Firefox slash 3.0.0.9 or whatever the version is. And this works pretty interesting. It, it keeps it better self-contained in that we don't have to make any symlinks anymore on the system. So there's less possible points of breakage where a symlink gets removed and all of a sudden my app doesn't work. Literally, the whole directory is self-contained where slash program slash Firefox slash share has all its data in there. And that's not going away. That's where the actual data is located. We're not having to link to user local share Firefox. And then if you install port, oops, you break it or, or something along those lines. But now it really does keep it separate from your port tree and from the base system. So they do run in a lot more uh, uh, independent way. And is PCBSD still i386 and x64? Yeah, i386, AMD64. That's really the big boys for the ser- or the desktop market right now. So we haven't seen a lot of incentive to go elsewhere. You know, if somebody does provide a compelling reason to do so and maybe supply some hardware, sure, I'll, I'll roll some builds of something else. But uh, at this point, those are the two big ones. And how is it scaling downward? I'm, I'm thinking of the netbooks. You know, I, I, I have the unfortunate case of, you know, being cheap. So I spent very little money and got something with only a 4 gig SSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there options to strip down the install? So maybe if you didn't want KDE, you could go to something like... We haven't done that yet, but that may be something we can look at for 8.0. Um, we we got to try and... With PCBSD, we try and create a very unified base, though, because once you start offering all these different options... People are running on different things, different problems occur. X package assumes that so-and-so is in the base system, and all of a sudden it's not there, so things don't work as reliably, whereas if we say oh, Python's always in the base system, then we can rely on it and we can use it. So yeah, I think right now we recommend about 6 gig. It actually uses 6 gigs. We recommend 10 of disk space, but uh, I don't foresee those system requirements jumping any beyond that for the near future. KDE 4 is not going to grow that drastically in the next year or two. Yeah, the reason you know I was sort of thinking about it is I saw they were demonstrating Fluxbox. I mm-hmm. think it was Fluxbox yeah. out there and I, yeah. as an option, but I didn't know if that was a replacement or just an addition. No, it's an addition. We've actually had Fluxbox since day one. With PCBSD, we just never really advertised it, but it is there. We've, what we've done is uh, James Nixon over at IX Systems has done some work to theme it and make it look a lot nicer so it actually shows some of the apps we have installed now. Um, some other good news, if you're looking at different type of solutions for the desktop, is that we're going to start offering different window managers for them pretty soon. Not necessarily on default install, but after you get it installed, you can go ahead and download the self-contained PBI of GNOME, XFCE4, or you know, X Window Manager, and use it. You know, you're not locked into to KDE4 if you really don't want to use it for some reason. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks for taking some time to keep us up to date on what's going on. I look forward to trying the next release and when it comes out. 8 sounds like it's going to have a lot of interesting features. Oh, yes, definitely. 8's the one to look forward to, and I, I'm excited to be running it on my system just from the USB 2 stack alone. I'm yeah. sick and tired of some of these yes. <laughs> little nagging <laughs> USB bugs. But, yeah, thanks for having me. All I appreciate right. it. All right, thank you. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email... 
You can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 174.